Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Piotr, Jay, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Thank you for having us today. I, you know, I first came across you both when I read your book, which is called Before the Hammer Falls. We don't have a copy here to, to show, like on QVC, unfortunately, but it's a very good book. It helped me. It taught me a few things which we're going to share with people today. But nonetheless, there are still some secrets in there that are in the book. So people should go check it out, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So where do we start? There's two of you. So whoever wants to go first, tell me a little bit about you. Okay, I'll go first because if Jay goes first, then there's no point in this. We'll be here for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the chance. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, my name is Piotr, and I'm um, sort of uh, an auction trader. I help people selling auctions, I help people buying auctions, I'm an auction consultant. I do anything auction related. I've been doing that for about eight years, and I've been doing a lot of other things in property. And the way I started properties, I was an employee and I was a buying agent in Paddington, made a bell, those areas for um, for investors. And then I was, I'll be going to auctions, I'll be looking for agents. But my boss uh, kind of taught me how to do things. I picked up a lot of things from him. And then about five and a half years ago, I set up Synergy Property Partners and I've been doing this on my own. Wow. Since then. Okay. And uh, Mr. Jake? Yeah, um, I have been investing in property for 16 years. Um, started out of necessity. Um, mother passed away with debts. Uh, basically sold the family home and with that bought first property, which was a commercial property, a uh, funeral care home, which uh, blew up. Um, <coughs> Sorry? Yes, yeah. yeah. Qu- quick oh, you, you, you don't want to, you don't want to go. Okay, cool. I mean, people keep and laugh at this every time I tell them. But... Um, I can tell by looking on your face, maybe no one else can see it, but um, I bought it because it had um, a cremation oven, like yard area to the back. And I thought, well, you know, my mentor at the time, which was my uncle, said that there's two things people are always going to need, somewhere to live and somewhere to die. So I thought, looking at this auction, and I thought, well, that's perfect, right? <laughs> so it's never going to go out of business. What, it's, it's not a AAA covenant tenant, but it's they're going to be there forever. It was a something, something and sons. Um, and uh, so I bought it, um, and then they were changing one of the um, the gas canisters on on, on the uh, on the oven, um, and maybe two or three months passed, and it was a rubber connector. They've now changed it; it's no longer rubber connectors, not allowed, thanks to uh, my case study. <laughs> um, and uh, basically, it frayed. They turned the oven on one morning, and the gas canister went through the ceiling, into the first floor, through the roof, and into the next door neighbor's roof. Um, and that I was, I was about eighteen. That was nervous breakdown <laughs> material. Baptism by fire, ba- literally, <laughs> literally by fire. Um, which it, it, it was, it was good because you know, um, actually, once I realised the whole thing was insured. Um, you know, the insurance, the internals were covered by the tenant. The external was covered by me. Same thing from next door, and I sold it maybe about. 12 or 18 months later and made about 30,000 on, on the transaction anyway, on top of the uh, the income as well. So it was it was it was a really good lesson to learn. 
Um, so that was, that was the first one, that was 16 years ago. About 12 years ago, uh, my uncle introduced me to, to auctions. At that point, he was a regular buyer and stock provider for Stretton's, which is an East London uh, auction house. Um, and that's when I started really getting involved in the auctions like hardcore because the first property was an auction property, but once I had done that, I hadn't really dealt with auctions before. Um, so I did that. So 12 years ago, I started auctions in terms of buying and selling on a semi-regular basis. And then five years ago, I started uh, work at Auction House London. Now I'm the auction manager at Auction House London. So um, I'm actually in terms of employees, I mean, the, the, the three longest service in, in employees there. So, uh, so that, that's, that's impressive. It's a really good kind of environment. It's London based. It's a London room. You know, it, it keeps things interesting. I, I can't be, can't be left bored or <laughs> or alone. I get very self-destructive. <laughs> the devil makes work for idle hands was probably written with me in mind. So yeah, and those biscuits for everyone watching but, were half as, as full, were yeah. double as full before. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's yeah. right. Um, but so yeah, so auctions. It's kind of it's a state agency, an investment agency, and every other kind of agency, but like on monstrous amounts of steroids. Every six weeks, there's an auction. There's a creating the catalogue, selling the stock in the catalogue, the auction debt itself, the catalogue closing, there's no room for me to not be busy, but I've capitalised enough time so far. But 16 years in property, 12 years focusing on auction, five years working for auction house. So, Piotr, you started off employed, then went self-employed. Yeah. Jane, did I hear that you started off self-employed and then went employed? Like when you were doing property for the past X many years, was that whilst you were working somewhere? Before yeah, you got so, so yeah, again, this this is this is going to take a bit of time. So, since um, since I, I I started working, which was quite young, again around sixteen, I was uh, actually at fourteen. Uh, I don't know if I can say anyone to say. Uh, I was I was doing Saturday viewings for estate agents. So I was driving around in in, in my cousin's car at fourteen, using his license uh, to make I think about forty pounds a Saturday. Oh I was God, doing expose. That. Uh, and I was, I was going around, so it got me into property, it got me out and seeing properties. And then I was working um, Sundays at Wembley Market as well. So I was a crier at Wembley Market, which is why... Can I you give us a, a, like an example uh, of how you would cry? Oh, no, Fresh you, fruit? No, no, this was, um, it was, it was children's clothes. So I'm walking through the market. You're on the market. I'm looking for children. I don't know who to decide. Am I here? Uh, oh no, don't make me do this. No, no. <laughs> I, boom, I can't hear any crying. Any three hundred pound, three hundred pound, go over it, three hundred pound. All right, and he just he just goes from there. So you started off with the auction pattern already. It was in your head. I don't maybe it was, uh, but fortunately I'm, I'm not auctioneer. Yeah. I don't think I need that. I don't need that stress. I mean, there are far better looking people and far better sounding people that should be up at the front of the room making a whole load of noise. Uh, I, I far prefer being at the back of the room dealing with all the legal matters and the exchanges. Well, you're still good at like charity auctions and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that was that was a good night. Quite a bit of money, like uh, he raised about forty thousand. Wow! Yeah. Or so. Yeah. Yeah. Crying it was, like, and it was a tough one. It was a tough one. Yeah, it was. It was. It was actually. It was a good night. It was for the um, the crowd with us guys. For the, they were doing a charity race for No Man Left Behind. No Man Left Behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the auction was very difficult because everyone was really distracted was like at the end of the night. So but Jay like really got everyone's attention and like they were just basically chatting sheer rubbish for about thirty <laughs> minutes. And when <laughs> someone even made eye contact with me, I was like, You're bidding service, <laughs> 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 try to move it around a little bit, but 
Yeah, no, so that was, yeah. But no, so I, I did have a stint of being self-employed in property. I worked for an estate agent. I worked in an investment agency a little bit. I worked um, uh, as a consultant for an asset management company, but that's dealing mm -hmm. with like high net worth individuals. I think the entire um, consulting book we had was just over six billion. Uh, and I was looking after wow. just over three. Um, and that was really good because those were different markets, different asset classes and things like that. And again, it kept me busy. Um, so I was, I was working maybe 16 hour days because there were some days where you'd have to be awake for meetings in London and then you'd have to be awake to deal with Australia and things like that. Wow. So you'd be awake a lot. Wow. And that was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I, I kind of left there and I thought, well, I, I did really well there and I enjoyed it, but I'm bored. Mm. Uh, and working for the auction house like you do is like it's a different yeah. beast than just in London. Yeah, yeah you, you can't you can't be right. physically impossible to be bored. Right? Wow. Yeah, it, unless you don't like property. If you don't like property, then you're going to walk into any kind of property environment and get yeah. bored quick. But yeah, um, so I've been working in property pretty much, with the exception of two years, uh, two thousand and twelve to two thousand and fourteen. I kind of was only dealing with my own personal assets. Okay. So I took a step back, I started working for financial services, which bored the hell out of me. It was, some people have got it, some people haven't. I didn't have it. <laughs> I knew I didn't have it, but I was, I kind of almost walked into the wrong in a certain capacity and then just turned into a problem solver. Hmm. And that was kind of like across the board and they, they worked in six different international territories. So it was good fun learning about how different countries work, hmm. um, but almost exclusively property. Okay. Um, and then, so Piotr, you then went, so did you go straight into buying an auction or did you get a couple of buy to lets through the normal method and then go into auction? What was your route into auction? Yeah, so my background is in basically being a, like a sourcing agent, buying agent. So I'll be looking for properties for other people and uh, I'll do it through any sources, like um, I would send out some letters, I would approach people directly, seeing their, their property. I would go to agents, I would go to other places. And I guess my experience of working with agents or people directly is that generally like all the private 3D sales, the kind of typical purchases, they take ages. They're like six months. One of my transactions was a two million pub, two million pounds pub in North London, close to where I live, with planning permission for nine flats. Uh, so I got a client, basically, found a seller directly, approached them, they said, we want two million for it, I said, great, I found you a buyer, I found a buyer, uh, who there's like people were known in the property industry, but they want to buy it for two million, and then we had to sort out all the planning issues, there were like some conditions, whatever, then there was quarters, I evicted quarters, I evicted some other people, and then it's like, uh, after 18 months of work, just before exchange, and wow. I was like, "This is forty thousand pounds." I was counting on spending almost. <laughs> like I, I can't rely, uh, like as a business, I couldn't rely on those kind of prolonged transactions. Yeah. And it's just not in my nature to be working something like that for so long. I like the quick things. I like to get on. I evicted squatters in that property. No one does things like that. Uh, like I actually met up for a coffee with them, like seven a.m. in the Costa. <laughs> Because that was the only time they were comfortable with. And then I told them, listen guys, these 2,000 pounds came out. And they were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. it, still, it still didn't help, right? So um, 
and I guess with the auctions with this, it's like you still deal with all those issues, but in a very condensed period of time. Yeah. And the more issues there is, the better. And if I can deal with those issues, and if I can uh, fix them, and we can buy the property before the auction, especially on properties with these issues, no one else wants to bid on that. Great. So. I, that was the, my way of uh, getting to the market and being effective and actually doing deals. And that's how I kind of grew into this. Uh, okay. I love auctions because within two week, uh, two week periods, I know whether I'm going to get a deal or that I'm not going to get a deal. And the I deal see. is done or it is not done yeah. and I can move on to the next property and we're taking another month or so to I see. So, you know, what a lot of people say to me who have more experience than me or, or who have less say, I'm like, oh, you're going to this auction, you want to come with me, you want to see what auctions are. But we're not geared up for auction. Like, well, I can't do auction. I'm like, but dude, the deals are amazing. I get that, you know, you could buy all sorts of junk and, you know, you don't read the legal pack, you can get totally screwed. Of course you can with any business. But a lot of people are like auctions. So, like, when you both sort of started, how did you sort of go from you know being employed doing different things to being like right i'm comfortable buying at auctions what gave you that comfort uh i made mistakes uh and the what i did was i realized that i made mistakes it when you take ownership of the fact that you make a mistake it's easier to learn from it and once you take that responsibility you grow from it far quicker there are so many people that make a mistake and think right who can i blame do I sue the auction house? Do I sue the seller? Do I sell the solicitor? Do, I'm going to sue everybody. Am I? But at that point, they're still not taking things into consideration that they made the mistake. Um, you're absolutely right when you say there are so many people that just go, I'm, I'm not geared up for it, or I wouldn't know where to look, or there's always a problem with it. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's the beauty of it. That, that, eyes, right? why, that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there are a lot of like course providers and all these other things that you need to be able to solve a problem. The auction is, is a, a problem that someone is trying to solve, right? Just, and and that, is, that is so important. It took me, again, a lot of mistakes, a lot of realising that I'd made those mistakes. And every time I made those mistakes, reflecting on it and then just adding more and more bits to my due diligence or to my, my purchase calculation, how I worked that out. And every single mistake I made cost, but then you just jump straight back up and crack on. Otherwise, you're never going to make it happen. If you, if you look for a regular deal through, through a deal flow through estate agents or private treaty or whatever it is who knows what's going to happen yeah the thing i love about the auctions is it's certainty mm. there is almost certainly something wrong with it fine once you know what that is and you know that you can fix it it's not a problem because you can add the value easily once you know right um you know it's an exchange which is a you know 10 percent non-refundable deposit you can't pull out they can't pull out you crack on these are all things that enable you to work in a certain way. They give you a degree of certainty. And actually, I think in property and in, in people's, in terms of how they obtain deals or get deals structured through them, that's the one thing that no one has. Yeah. For me, it was uh, when I worked for, as an employee, um, kind of my boss, uh, uh, there was, after nine months of working there, um, he sent me to an auction. Basically, he went on holidays, I think, to Greece. And then he told me, well, these are the three lots that we're working on. I go and view them and I view them and we did the work, we did the numbers. And then he said, okay, I've got three clients. They're going to buy those three lots. We just need to go to the auction and bid. And then the IDs and everything is with the auction house. So we just need to view in that we win. 
So I was, I went to the auction. I had no idea what I was doing. Like it was literally, I was like, okay, well, I know the numbers. This is the maximum. I know I need to bid, and then I had no idea. So I just stood there, and then lot number two came up, and I was like, yeah, I'm bidding. I'm like one thirty two bedroom flat in Brooklyn. Yeah, we want it. Great. Well, then lot number three, like uh, this uh, three flats uh, thing in Harvestock Hill in 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 in, in Belsize Park. On a, on a heavy something silly like I didn't know what exactly I was buying, but uh, my we worked out and up to three hundred. It's ours. We bought it. I bought it at two ninety. So that's lot number two and lot number three. I won. Then lot number four was something else. Lot number five was this biggest property in the auction. Three flats in Maida Valley, three holds, and three flats in Maida Valley, and totally delayed. Full work. But uh, we're going to go up to 650 on this. Oof. And it was the biggest lot in the auction. Everyone was bidding for this, uh, including uh, an estate agency owner from like North West London, one of the biggest estate agencies, kind of Frostons of North West London. Right. Foxton, sorry. And uh, basically, we're bidding, we're bidding. And then it was just me and him at the end of the, of the bidding. And like, I wanted 627. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, now someone's gonna pull me and <laughs> do something to me. Because, like, I just won three lots, like, and including the biggest one in the auction, and now I'll beat everyone. And uh, I don't have any IDs or anything. My boss said everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> and, and then I went to the back desk, and then they said, yeah, we've got all the details and stuff, or was all, uh, it's, we've got this all sorted. So I'm like, great. Then I was walking out of the auction, everyone was giving me the cards and now of course for one guy, he says one of my clients wanted to buy that made a lot. Uh, you got it for six twenty seven. How about we offer you six fifty now and uh, we take it off your hands. I'm like, okay, I need to make a phone call. I made a phone call, my boss said no, we're buying this. <laughs> so uh, that's that was my experience wow. in the auction. I was like I was shaking but that was that but then I was like this is this is amazing. I just yeah. bought three properties in this space of 20 10 minutes, minutes yeah, yeah. something like this. Ridiculous. And it has to complete within 28 days, and it's just yeah. certain, which is what you said. That certainty and that speed, and that, uh, and you know whether you end up with the property or whether you're yeah. looking for the next one. And that's, I mean, that's a real like you're in a deep end experience, which you kind of both had. I guess, you know, yours was more with your money, whereas yours was more with someone else's so it was yeah. a bit easier yeah and i think also for people listening six hundred fifty thousand is cheap for a flat in that area anyone who's not in london or from the north that was this is like, so. Oh, yeah. okay so now it's like double yeah. Trip. Yeah. who but knows that was a block that was a it was a house split into three flats yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's cheap. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's still cheap. I know. For, for I any, you know. If anyone wants to go look at the land which street or that. Buy it from? Yeah, so we so okay. So here's an interesting question: How many properties have you both or individually maybe bought or sold through auction? Or, or in the how many? If that makes sense. If you don't know the exact number. Yes, I probably did my own deals, like with joint venture partners, I did maybe eight. Okay. Um, eight to ten, probably. Um, but I, I mostly kind of worked with clients and I still work with clients. I sold maybe about 30 properties for clients. Wow. Uh, in total over the years. 
and I've got probably about 15. Wow, okay. Uh, I've personally done about two, maybe three dozen. I bought, I bought about three dozen. Um, I've sold, yeah, maybe about half, uh, half the properties I've owned to auction. And these are both in London? Uh, no, I'm, I, I, am, I invest with, where, here's the thing, I don't, gold mine areas, I understand why people do it, right? I understand it because you've got the local knowledge, all these stuff. If it's a deal, I'll buy it. I've got something in yeah. Runcorn in Liverpool, I've got something in Shropshire, I will buy it. If the deal makes sense, I will go where the deal is. Because the robustness of the due diligence that I use, which isn't just a calculator, it's, it has many different metrics to it, enables me to go anywhere and buy anything at any point, right? So yes. it's wherever the, wherever the money makes sense. Um, so yeah. I'm with you on that. Whilst I have my investment area being Wales, I always say to people, if the deal stacks, it stacks. Yeah. Like, as long as your due diligence is enough, it doesn't matter where it is or, you know, it, if it works, it works. So yeah. I like that you both do that. So let's get on to actual auctions. Gone. Now, where do we start? There's, there's so many places I can start. Okay, so, all right. I'm Tej. I've never been to an This is not me. This is uh, my twin. Your data self. Yeah. My, my, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my less handsome twin, just to veto this. I haven't been to an auction before. I've seen a few properties I like. Here's the catalogue. Oh, should I just turn up and buy them? What should I do? What, what's your advice for me? Never been to a Number one, uh, you should buy this book before the hammer falls. <laughs> Read this book. I heard the authors are all right. They know their stuff. They're good guys. Yeah, 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 I've heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of them is all right. <laughs> <laughs> one of them we're not sure yet. Yeah. 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 show up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> charming, guys. Charming, charming. Is this recording? This is lovely. This, thank you. That's lovely. Yeah, buy the book, definitely read the book. I recommend um, it as well, guys. And, um, okay, and, and in the book, kind of, we go through the whole thing. Um, the chapters are almost laid out in the way that you should approach auctions. So number one, it's out surround yourself with people who know stuff about property. Because there will be a lot of unexpected things you will encounter um, that you might need answers to quickly. And you want to have a network of people around you you can approach and ask questions like this was my main block when i was um before i did my first deal it's like what if something goes wrong like, and i'll think about something for two weeks instead of actually calling someone and asking them well yeah. what if that happens and what would that what would i do and then they will tell me because they may have dealt with it before so we so, always start and the book starts with what are the free resources that you have access to that could be online free resources or like just libraries or, or anything like that then what is the paid resource that you have availability for so you can join a pin meeting or a ppn or a pit or a, or yeah or a pig or what they, they, they everyone's got different names right and everyone has their merits so it depends you know if you have a gold mine area i would recommend investing in a membership in a local one there because you can meet local investors whether it's people that's going to help you buy or, or someone you can sell to you know once you've solved the problem, these are very, very important places to go. Uh, they weren't around 15, 20 years ago. So what people have now is they have access to a community. It's the same thing on Facebook and things like that. You can join all of these networking groups. And people are, every single day, you know, has anyone come across this? Or does this look like Japanese knotweed? Or do you know, they're doing all these different things. And that is a very powerful resource. And we say start there. 
Um, when you move from that point, it then goes to how are you structuring your due diligence? And okay. also, like I would say, before you go to the first bid and the first auction, just go and follow some properties. If you like something, what's the harm of actually circling it, doing the research anyway, going to the auction, seeing what it sells for, and then maybe next month see what's happening with this. Maybe even speak with the person who bought this. What is the plan of doing with this? Like, uh, and just kind yeah. of have a few dry runs so you get comfortable with the environment, with the process, and just just chill. Yeah, yeah. And so then you can focus on the actual merits of the property and the due diligence and stuff okay. like this. So I guess it's about getting your people right and getting your mind right. Yeah. So having people who, you know, like partner property or in the WhatsApp group, yeah. uh, you know, there's questions today about, so I know you answered about yeah. bedrooms and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just, I chucked something in, but I don't know what I'll say. I was just like, oh, let me just say this. Yeah. But it's so good because people in that group, for example, are so experienced, right? Like so some it's of them, a com- it's, a, it's a completely different It's like level. people have got more experience than I have years of life. So yes. I'm like, I can learn a lot from you. Yeah. So get your people right. And also, yeah, mindset's a big thing. I think when I've been to auctions, whether I was bidding or not, for me, it was very easy to stay calm because yeah. as much as the auctioneer, I'll say goads you because they're not being, they're not being rude. It's just a bit of banter. They're distracted. Yeah. yeah, but egos, especially male egos, let's be honest, will take that and, oh, you went from the beginning. Oh, come on, it's just you two in it. Some people just go, yeah, go on then. Yeah. And you think, but you've already overpaid. Now you're overpaying even more. Just, just leave it alone. And so I think it's so important that people can have that calm face. But like, how do you then recommend people create? I mean, I know it's a big mindset question. But how can you know, Ted's twin go to an auction and just be stoic and just be like? Cold? I don't think you're ever stoic. Like I think you should just be okay with uh, being you. Never. Like I get nervous when I've been in the auction. It's like it's, it's adrenaline it's, as well yeah, because the so. adrenaline will play with your mind. It doesn't matter how good your mindset is. Once you get those endorphins and those chemicals kicking around your body, you'll get a nervous twitch before you know it. That's <laughs> half a million pounds up in the air. You know that, that yeah. that's difficult to deal with. Yeah, and, and like if you're nervous, like just take someone to the auction with you. Tell them what the yeah. plan is. A hand tell them it. to yeah. just like cause you when if you I go up two plan, five then... two five hundred, just pull me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you want someone like that? Yeah, because then it gives you this kind of anchor. Like there's an anchor that yeah. keeps you grounded. So that you don't just rely on your mind to hold you okay. to the ground. Like a buzzword, like kippers, like a magic kippers, circle, yeah, or something circle, where you're like, yeah. well, shut down, shut down. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and a safe word. A safe word, yeah. So, okay, so now I know my, my people are right, my mind is right. I found X many properties I want to view. Now, I used to, maybe still do, view them once. Preferably middle viewing. But now I've read your book. Yes. I've got my second viewings lined up next week. Yes. But why? Okay, so for everyone listening, so you've got the properties you're going to look at. It comes with a viewing schedule. You just turn up to them and then book yourself in and view. Now, why do you both strongly recommend viewing, I think three, t- you said as much as you can, right? I would say twice. So why? Okay. Was, uh, whenever I go to a thing, I record it and then I can watch my recording. Okay. And then see things new things maybe I think of I think of did I look at the electric box like what does it look like oh okay this is what it looks like it's like always you will have different uh, um, uh, you will see different things and okay. also go to be with someone potentially yeah second set of clean eyes will always help I, I aim as much as possible to attend every single viewing of that property 
you're th if you're thinking whether it's your money or someone else's money, you're about to make an investment, right? And what you want to do is you want to invest as much as possible beforehand to make sure that your investment doesn't crumble to pieces. So the viewings, it's half an hour a piece, nine times out of ten, uh, and it's, it's an investment in time. So it's a time over loss environment you're looking at. So what I do is there are things that I look at. I try and take a clean um, perspective every time I go. I will normally take, well, depending on what the exit is or what I'm looking to do with that property, I'll take a professional that will be able to enhance that, that exit and, and that profitability from that exit. But normally what I'm looking at is I'm looking at the other viewers. Okay. The reason I'm looking at those other viewers is because when you're in that auction room, wherever you're standing, and there's bits in that book that will tell you where you want to be and how you want to be looking, um, if you see Jane and Joe Smith who were viewing it on the second thing, you know, okay, my competition's in the room. How do I play this situation now? If you only turn up to two of those viewings, you haven't seen that person interact outside of the auction. You don't know how to play the game a little bit. And it can be a little bit psychological. Maybe I take it to an nth degree, mm -hmm. but I've never lost money on a property deal. Not even close. And I, I don't just attribute that to the due diligence. I attribute that to treating every run-up to every property as an investment in and of itself. Whether I win it or not, I put that same amount of effort into every single property. Wow. And that's... I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because so you've also said something there, which is you take a professional with you. So we talk in builder, surveyor, someone who may, Architect, may charge you, right? Yeah. Well, it depends on how you structure things. So if, if you okay. have, if you if you make your um, your dream team, your family, your family in investment. So you bring them in as if they're going to be benefiting from the transaction. You can even negotiate a preferential rate, or you can increase. You can you know, get an increase, you give them an increase. If they, if they charge you nothing, then if you get it and you action it, then you get they get to charge an extra 10% or 20% or whatever it is, which would have covered the legwork anyway. Okay. As long as you, you know, again, you have to remember people have to live, so you don't take the mickey with stuff yeah. like that. But as, as long as you create those um, relationships, which is by and far the biggest part of, of anything, I and mean, property is a lonely game unless you're either working for a big company or you've got a good team, and it all comes down to the team, uh, which is why you can I can call a solicitor now and say lot twenty six in in McHugh's auction or whatever it may be, and he will go and look at that and he'll give me a report, and then that will be the end of it. If I win it, he gets the conveyance work exam. He's guaranteeing himself work for thirty minutes worth of outlay, and it's worth it to them. So it's all about how you are leveraging your position. Mm. Um, not everyone's going to be able to do that because you have to put that legwork in first. You have yes. to. Once they can see that you're a performer and that you're you're making the efforts and you're you know you're paying them and there's never an argument, these are people that are like, okay, well how do I'm making money from this person, how do I get them to leverage their position up? Okay, I'll take a cut on the front end, but on the back end I'm gonna be making that back and maybe a little bit more. And to me, that's actually how you not take advantage, but how you make the most of those relationships. And these are people yeah. that want you to succeed. Because the more successful you are, you're paying for their services, the more successful they are. Yeah, and a lot of people always think about this in a very disjointed, disconnected way. But once you pull it all together, it's it's there's a recipe for success there. Once people remove the ego and the I've got to get this, I've got to get no, 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 no. It, it, there's a harmony. There's homogenize it, make it work. And once you can do that, that 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 gives you a, a level of power that most other people who are attending the auctions or attending the viewings maybe don't have. And if it's just that one tiny thing that gives you that tiniest little bit of an edge, like you got the email that the legal pack was live and you read it 60 seconds before everyone else, that is an edge. 
If you're not taking advantage of that edge, then more for you. But if you are, then you know, you're increasing your success. I like that. And I think it goes back to the beginning, which is get your people right. So before you even sort of bid at an auction, maybe the time should be spent, obviously keeping an eye on auctions, but then actually building a team who trust you. And, and I, in what you said as well, given how long you have in property, not everyone's going to be able to say, look, here's my track record. I clearly buy, I clearly use solicitors. You know, if, if my twin comes in, never bought property before, it's more difficult, right? So yeah. I guess people may have to take a, a, you know, a, a loss at the beginning to pay these professionals, but you know, when you buy one, when you spend time with them, when you give them business, it gets to the stage where you are, right? But even when yeah. you start at that level, right, the, where your twin comes and where it's the first time you've done it, I guarantee you that two hundred and fifty pounds for the solicitor to read the legal pack, that three hundred and fifty pounds for a surveyor just to come around and kick the wall or, or do whatever it is that they do, yeah. right? If you do that, if you spend that six hundred pounds, that is far cheaper than buying a dud that you don't know what's wrong with it. Because it, nothing's a dud if you know what's wrong with it and you know how to fix it. Yeah. If you haven't if you haven't figured out what that is and you haven't created that opportunity, you're gonna lose money. So I would much rather any day of the week, if you gave me the option, Jay, do you wanna do you wanna invest six hundred pounds to make this investment work or do you wanna lose sixty thousand pounds? It's a simple no one's gonna go option B. Yeah. But it, it's a it's a pain point for people to think, Oh, I don't wanna put that money in because what if I don't win it? You know, most people are now becoming professionals. They're doing everything in a company. It's a loss. It's a right. And I think that every time you do all due diligence on an auction property, uh, like you learn something that might be useful in your next deal. Yeah. Like yes. Once I get shot. I had a deal that was actually an auction house only. There was this house in Garrett Lane, split into yeah. two flats, three houses split into two flats, and we did so much work on this. We were ready to buy this at six seven five. The guy thought it was five seven five, so we're like, maybe like there's a chance. We actually lost it. We went to six, seven, eight, a bit more than our reserve, that our maximum. And then whoever bought it at six seventy nine. So it's like it'll probably still go further. But the thing is, like we lost it. Uh, but we put so much work into this property. Like two weeks later, I saw this house on Light Move. Again, like it was actually ten minutes closer towards Wimbledon. It was a nicer house, nicer location, and it was on the market for six. 95 or something like this what was identical split into two flats and then there was a problem selling it and because of all the due diligence I did on the other house and because I had a buyer who was basically like lost out like I was able to go to those sellers and say well we want to buy your property we'll buy it in two weeks time it's 630 offer actually we started with 590 but we ended up at 630 and three months delayed completion on a better house in a better location, but the same the same yeah. type of property uh, that still made money. So, uh, whenever you do research on the auction property, it actually gives you a lot more than just knowledge of that particular property. Yeah. So in a way, you're paying to be educated. Yeah. In a way that you don't really realize because you most people see it as a loss because it yeah. is a loss. But what we take from it, maybe people don't take enough from it. Maybe they don't read the legal packs in enough depth or go on the viewings. And I just thought of something with legal packs. If they've done all the searches, which they should, and you're investing in a gold mine area, you just need a couple of searches in one area to cover the whole area. Yeah. So actually, some ways you yeah. could build up a knowledge of your area environmentally. Is the ground yeah. unstable, not read by three properties. And I've actually done that. I've used yeah. searches from one for the other and said, look, I don't need more searches. Yeah. So speaking of searches, 
and legal packs. Because I know you reviewed some legal packs for me. Some I thought were confusing, but they actually weren't. They're really simple. <laughs> so, so, and people was like, yeah, so it's just a normal purchase. What did you see that was confusing? I was like, oh, maybe I said the wrong one. <laughs> he was so polite. I was like, oh. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? I was like, what? And you just read it and knew it. Now, solicitors reading legal packs, roughly how much would they charge? What, 150 to 250? Yeah, 150 yeah. to 250. It could be 400. Which are really, so complex if it's lease house or if it's commercial with, with like mixed and there's lots of... Depends on the, the workload. I mean, there are a couple of auction legal legal packs in, in the auction we've got coming up where there's 72 parts to the legal pack. It's going to cost you about six or 700 quid to get a solicitor to go through that toe-to-toe. But so if, just, if it's just a standard freehold house or just something very simple, you're looking maybe 10, 15 documents, you're looking about two to 250 quid, I think. Yeah. And that's for, and you can't skimp on that. Okay. You, you get yourself a, a half... Solicitors are worth their weight in gold. That, that's... An, I never really qualified to, to, to go through it all, but I'm, I'm, I'll stick up for the profession. You, you want to get that opinion, and, and you want to get a good opinion. So if, if you're getting a quote for 150 and there's someone over here that's got a little bit more experience with auction transactions and knows a little bit more, can put a little bit more time and effort in for an extra 50 quid, pay the 50 quid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that is, that's my opinion. But would you, would you recommend the standard freehold house and let's just assume, you know, because some of these purchases, there's nothing suspect in the legal pack. It's just, you know, even a solicitor will come back and say, this is clear, whatever. Yeah. Would you recommend, say, people who have bought, let's say, a couple of buy-to-lets, who've read legal packs in a different form before yeah. from their solicitor when it's just conveyancing, would you say that if they look at a legal pack and they say, this all looks standard, there's nothing that confuses me or nothing that is out of the ordinary would you say that they still need to get a solicitor to do it yeah yeah it comes down to okay. how, how how soundly do you want to sleep at night yeah and and the thing is like when you do the review of the legal park like there's no insurance document yeah uh, it's uh, okay and, uh, when you get a response from a solicitor um, there's insurance uh, backing that and then there is also a professional who depends on this job to provide the funding to actually give you proper advice and that that okay. they look at things differently and also sometimes you want to have that different voice saying you you shouldn't do it because of this yeah. though you know that it's like it's going to be fine and sometimes just sometimes a sister will go everything's fine with the legal pack but i was expecting to see x y and z because sometimes with the legal pack it's not what's in the legal pack it's what's not in the legal pack so it's a reverse red flag that's that's right? very interesting and sometimes like, oh, i would have expected to see x y and z and you go okay so if X, Y, and Z isn't in there, why would that not be in there? Well, they could be doing it. And you're like, oh, okay. And it helps you resolve issues before, like, the, the stuff that's hidden behind, like, imagine it, like, invisible cloaks or whatever it is, it reveals them or makes it easier to reveal them. So there is value in there if you just know how to just move to the left a little bit and see it from a different angle. Because they can turn and go, legal pack's perfectly fine. Or they can turn around and go, actually, there's this, this, and this wrong, but they're also missing this and that. And you go, okay, so why would they miss this, this, and that? And goes, well, they could be doing this, or they could be trying to hide that, or have you thought about contacting that? And then you, all of a sudden, you put a whole picture together. And that is, that is, that is so valuable, especially if you're looking at a property where either it looks really impressive or the price is really good and someone overpays for it uh, and they don't complete, or they overpay for it and then they need to sell it on quickly. Which is why Piotr's right, when you, you're going to the auction, it's not just a case of what you buy, it's a case of what you miss out on. And how you miss out on it is that you turn that into a leverageable position. 
before they leave, wow, you guys did really well. Shake their hand. You outbid me on that one. Um, just, I'd love to hear what you're going to do with it or show me pictures when you finish. Here's my card. Let's meet up for a coffee. Perfect. Mm. All right, because you, all you're doing there is you're, you're compounding your leverageability. And that, mm. for me, that is really, really, really very powerful auction. I like that. And so uh, it's, it's good about the networking at auctions. One of my friends said, look, when you go there, even if you're not bidding or you're bidding, just meet people. And actually, turns out I knew people that we both know as well were in the room and they kind of got to know them better and I actually met a guy who manages over a thousand properties across the UK and flips his houses in Wales to an investor and mm. I said to him right so if I've got a house in a shitty area yeah. can we flip it he's like yeah just get a tenant in there and no fee I'll just sell it on for you and that's that's just one chance meeting and then he found me on a hashtag on Instagram later and I was like well cool now I've got this leverage yeah. Yeah. where I'm like hmm if this deal doesn't yeah. stack as that it stacks as this. Yes, and that's the other thing. People don't realise that a property can have multiple exits, multiple stacks, and those stacks come in at different prices. It's, it's how you... Some people go, that person overpaid for it. Okay, so what was your exit? This. Well, what if their exit was Y? And they're like, oh, then they got it fairly cheap. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right. But this is something that Auction House done, and what we found is, and I think we were the, probably the first to capitalise on this, we did our, our pre-auction coffee morning. So from 10 in the morning till the auction time, you come, you turn up, you get yourself a free coffee, you network, there's a group of speakers that will provide a bit of content, and it builds a, a, a little, not a bit of a buzz, but it builds in that, it basically 10Xs, that, that network ability, mm. and that leverageability for everyone in the room. And for us, it's a win-win. People come, they see the properties, maybe they're interested in auctions, or maybe they're just, like Piotr says, they're just coming to for the one or two or three times that they come to auction to suss it out a little bit before they make a bid. And that there creates a really, really good kind of growth platform for people. Um, and that's something we're very proud of. Um, and I think we're probably still one of the only, there's one or two other. I know one other does it. it sort of like an hour or two before. Yeah. I wouldn't say they copied us, but they copied us. They probably did. They probably did. That would be as good. So we've got legal pack part of the due diligence yes give it to a solicitor no matter what is what you're saying always read it yourself of course yeah it's yeah. always quite interesting yeah. actually i find because you, yeah all, every time you just go okay that's not for me and just give it to a solicitor you are depriving yourself of, of yes. knowledge and experience you're never going to replace the solicitor does it don't get too cocky I, I did that early on i got cocky i kept making mistakes and i just stopped doing it and i realized okay i can do this and i've got legal background i've got legal training i still turn around to uh, the solicitor and go yeah ハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハ
just find them not very helpful. They just they just write reports, and I'm like, I saw that, I saw that, I saw that. Like, Tage, how very dare you? These people <laughs> have studied and done this and done that, and they've got red book valuations. No disrespect, <laughs> um, but I just don't like. I got them on the first property, on the first two, and I just thought. I saw all these things. I get there could be one thing they see that I don't. Yeah. So, me being devil's advocate here, mm. would you pay for surveyors on auction properties? No. no. Why not? You can get two surveyors that work in the same area give you widely differing opinions. That, that puts every single purchase on rocky ground for me. It doesn't need to be. Uh, you can, you, if you've got a good, sharp set of eyes... No, you can look up at a roof and go, ah, oh, there's a lovely pattern of, of tiles here that look perfect, apart from this bit around the chimney. And, okay, there's clearly a problem. Let me take a picture of that and send it to the builder or the architect. Oh, there's, there's a crack. I can stick a pound coin in it. That's clearly not fun. Uh, is, is it on, an, is it on a, an outside wall or is it on an internal wall? Because that changes things. This plant looks like an unusual weed. Let me take a picture and put it on Facebook and talk to some people who know what it looks like. This bit of wall here looks like it's crumbling. It looks like a funny texture. Is it a special quick picture? Mm-hmm. That I, surveyors are what banks like to see. Yeah. But nine times out of ten, I would say people who are buying an auction are either pure cash to start to solve the problem, then mortgage out. You know, you know, at their leisure almost. Then you have the people that are just going, right, I'm securing this, I'm going to bridge it for three months, I'm going to solve the problem, I'm going to uplift, I'm going to go to traditional mortgage, I'm going to exit. Simple stuff. There are not that many people, unless it's an end-user type house, uh, and there are end-user type houses in the auction, you know, that end-user, so owner-occupier has had the property on the market with the state agents for six or nine months, they're just fed up. And they think, okay, well, the guarantee of the auction is 10% deposit, someone buys it. And that, that offers a lot of hope to people. In those situations, for an end-user sale, so we're the wrong people to talk to, get a survey. But for anything else... Uh, it's factoring the cost of... Yeah. £5,000 more of extra work, or whatever. Like, but if you, if you do a VBR, I mean, if you send it to a builder or someone else, they, they look at the property and they don't see anything, like two or three sets of eyes don't see anything suspicious, yeah, yeah. You have to you have to use your common sense and really yeah. apply the risk versus reward ratio. Because, uh, I think even the surveyors, even they write you report, one they just say what they spotted. And they can and like say, Yeah, or like we couldn't get access to underneath the floorboard so we cannot say what's in there. Yep. But like, uh, we assume it's a cavity wall. Yeah. Uh, and that, a yeah, that's why when I read it, I was like, so you're doing all the assumptions that I assume, you just know the key words. Yeah. So we... You're the same as me, but you can't wait. They don't really take the risk away. They just bless it up, yes, and so that it looks uh, so you can be a bit more confident or less confident. Yeah, and I think you know when people go on viewings, like if there's a carpet, I'll put it back. Like I'll if there's a crack, I may accidentally put my finger in it and may get slightly bigger. I may, I may kind of move things if wallpaper's falling off. Oops, more fell off. Sorry, no one's keeping it. The agent just laughs. No one gives a crap. But some things like that. I took a mat up somewhere and it was huge damp underneath it, but you couldn't really see over it. And some vendors will cover things up. Yeah. Like I've seen knotweed kind of try to be covered up and I was like, they just got some scissors yeah. and they've now made it worse. 
So, nice one. We'll put a fence around it. Why is there a walk with I, fence? I, I, knew, uh, I knew someone that bought a property where they, the house was, uh, was a semi-detached house. And when she came to the viewing, there was this one part of the driveway. And then uh, it was always quiet there. And um, she bought this property. And then when she got the keys, she went there and the van wasn't there. But there was a massive crack in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, yeah, so that van was there for a collision. Yeah. Wow, so any vans, get any underneath, vans, get yeah, a torch out. Sure. Don't get a surveyor, just take us. <laughs> no, your, your viewing toolkit, and this is in the book, I mean, there are some bits that we may not put in there, just like some random stuff, but of one of those little moisture um, sensors. Damn, 11 quid Amazon. 11 quid. Yeah. It, I mean, why wouldn't you? A little step ladder if you want to try and get into a loft. In case it hasn't got a pull down thing, a good torch, um, and there are several other things that you take with you, like a, a, like a laser measure or just a normal measure. Simple things um, that all fit in, in the boot of most yep. most cars. And you know, again, tiny outlay, especially if you're running it, your 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 property buying as a business. It, all 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 things that are claimable. Yeah. Uh, and actually, they 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 hold you in really good stead. Okay. So my twin. Done the viewings twice, maybe three times. He's taken some sort of professional with him, or at least sent pictures. Yeah, yeah. Viewings look good. I've, I've stacked it up. It looks cool. Got my contingency in there. Legal packs look good. Solicitor said, yeah, it's cool. We're all good. I'm like, right, I can buy this house. Now, how much money do you have? Like, careful, he's going to try and sell you something now. I don't have... Well, a lovely hate to bro, for you. I, I have Welsh money, not London oh, money, so you're going to have to 10x negative your 650 flats. I've got run corn money, we're in yeah. the same picture, it's okay. Yeah, I ain't buying that. So, you've done all this stuff, and now I'm like, cool, auction is, you know, in a few days or whatever. Um, what sort of happens, I guess, either just before the auction or in the auction room, because you were mentioning the psychology and where you should place yourself... Obviously, there's, you want to make sure you get on homes under the hammer in the background. So you want to make sure you're in the camera line. That's the mm. most important thing. Yeah. Correct. But then after that, how should you be in that room? Where do you position yourself? How, you know, what's the psychology of yeah, the so room? Yes, I think like before you even come to the room, like, you should have your numbers done. So you know at what price you would be happy working out of this room having this having one this week. So I'm More saying than that. I would recommend you have three prices in mind for the same property. Because what you're doing there is you're almost a little bit, not depowering the auctioneer, but you've got like, if I could walk away with it at this price, I'm just going to sing the, all the way to the bank like the following day. You're just going to skip out there like a giddy schoolgirl. Then you've got the, this is still a good price. I'm, I'm very happy here. Uh, it still makes a lot of sense. And if I can get it here, magic. Then you have your worst case scenario price. This is the price that I know this is my maximum bid, still walk away with uh, 20% on return on cost. Although, you know, whatever it is, you, you have those three prices. So what you're doing instantly in that situation is you are de-stressing your bidding. You're giving yourself multiple options of purchase for a singular property. And the idea of the room is, is, to, is to make you think that you only have the one option to bid. So if you go in there, and you've done all your cost estimates, you've done all that stuff, and you go, I can go up to 650, but it actually, the, the bidding starts to change a little bit. And what you wanna do is you wanna be able to act differently on all three prices. 
So if you can if you can approach the way you bid or bid with confidence or change where you're standing or where you're sitting and you can move that bid in, sometimes you can outmaneuver and outbid other people in the room. You're saying in the way so by where you're standing and by tone of well you're not even speaking so how like oh you can yeah you can shout your price you shout, yeah that's a very aggressive that's 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 a that's that's, a, that's a bullish, advanced one. very advanced but you you have to know you have to do it not only to unsettle the other bidders but to unsettle the auctioneer as well so would you so okay let's say bidding starts at five hundred yeah yeah. Would you just be like, I know it's going to go to 600, that's my price, 600, or would you, would you shout out the bids? No, no, that so makes sense. I, if, if the bidding starts at 500 and someone went, oh, 501 or something like that, I'd shout 550. So you would go, you'd I go, would, I, would, I would do that jump. Because you know it's going to go there anyway. Yeah, yeah, you, you're happy. All you're doing then is you're just yeah. cycling. If this, everyone's like, okay, there's someone here who wants it more than I do. I might have to get into a do I, I don't want to pay more. I like that, I like this. Stuff. So you can use that aggression, or what you can do is actually you can, because people are always concerned when they go to an auction room that they're not bidding against anyone, it's just the auctioneer and the lampshade, right? But it, this happens, people are concerned that they're, they're not bidding against, so what they're doing is when, some, when the auction goes, okay, I'm with you here, so the other bidder's like, who's pointing that? Is it, is it the guy in the grey shirt? No one knows, so what you do is you just move. And then when the auctioneer's pointing that direction, there's just a guy there with a book like this, not paying attention to what's going on. And then they just think, okay, the auctioneer's running up. I'm, I'm, I'll just wait for it to go unsold and someone else will pick it up. Oh. So you, there are so many different ways. But again, it all comes down to the property. It comes down to the room. It comes down to the auction house. It comes down to the auctioneer. You have to be able to, ha- in, you have to build up a catalogue of, of all of these situations and know which one to play at the right time. Because if you pull out that starts at 500 and you throw in a bid at 550, there is going to be someone in that room who's a bigger fish who's going to go 625. And you're going to be sitting there, you know, with your dick in your hand, going, ah, ah, and then, you know, you called your bluff. Um, so you, it has to be, has to be considered. Okay, so I'm, I'm in Wales. I'm, the, you know, guide price 35k, 40k. I want to pay 50 for it. If I was going to be Johnny Big, you know, tennis balls, where would I start my first bid in that? Because it's way smaller than what we're talking here. Yeah, but the, 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 this is something that people don't understand. That although those prices are small, the margins are tighter. Yes. So the moment you go 46, it, that's, that could be the difference between a viable purchase and a not so viable purchase. Yeah. In the most instance, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when you're dealing with hundreds of thousands and a lot of capital appreciation, you've got a five to ten thousand pound buffer where you go. If I have to hold it for three months and do a bit of rent, I can cover my ass on that, I can do this. It's workable, right? Um, so at that level, I would just go, bosh, 47,500. Or, you know, if you're going to go up to 50. Mm-hmm. And then, then someone's like, okay, uh, my, my match bid was 45. Uh, maybe I'll go 48. You go 48,500, okay, no, this guy's got it. So you, there, there's no fixed calculation. You yeah. have to walk in and you have to fill the room. You know, you have to, you have to look around, see who's there. See how people are bidding beforehand, because chances are, if you're up against another professional in the auction room, they're not just there for one property. Yeah, and if they're rent your book, they're, they're, they're yeah, going to be they're going to be looking at three or four. Yeah, even if they've got in their mind, actually, there's only two I really want. But if I don't get those two, I've got my backup two. You know, and, and that's also a good strategy to have. If you go into the auction with just one property in mind, you're going to most people are going to make this next mistake. I've missed out, but I've made, oh, here's a one on two roads away. It's a very simple property I'm going to buy. Yeah. I haven't, haven't read it back, I haven't done anything. And it's the unpreparedness that makes the mistake. And there are some people who, who say, oh, yeah, I've, I've done that, but actually it turned out to be a great property. Well done. 
But I guarantee you, someone like me, Muckins over here, someone like me will do that and will lose their ass on it. So yeah. I, I don't. That's not the game I play. I'm very kind of. I'm a de-risker. Mm. I understand there's a lot of risk out there, and I just de-risk it as much as possible. You're never going to make it 100. But if you could, if, if in terms of like risk reward ratio, if I can get that as close to 50 percent risk reward, where it's kind of like I'm on a 50 50, I'll take it. You'll take those odds at a casino any day of the week. You'll take those odds yeah. on, on on national lottery. Why wouldn't you take it on yeah. property? So if, even if it's a 60 40, I think okay, that's not bad. Um, and that's how I would structure it. It's interesting because I know someone who goes to the same auction as me and he will buy and has bought things without viewing. I'm pretty sure on some he didn't read the legal pack and he was like, Ted, you've seen this one. What do you think? And I was like, yeah, it's all right. Or I was like, I haven't got a clue. He's like, but it's worth this much. It's all right, move. Boom. And he's done it before with properties in the tens and made money. But it's one of these things. Yes, there's people who do it. But do you want to gamble that? Well, you have to get no, it. comes I down don't. to de-risk. Like, if yeah. that's the guy that goes to the same auction he has, how long has he been buying properties in that area in that auction? Probably 20. 20, 20, right? okay, 20 yeah. you, you'd say if it was more than 15 or 16 years, you've got to understand, like, the same thing as you were saying with, like, leveraging off the searches for the same area. This guy's looking and thinking, well, actually, I owned it 12 years ago. I'll buy it back. <laughs> it's, it's not... It's, and it's a matter of volume as well, because yeah. he might be buying 20 if he does well on 19 and one makes him 5k loss so venture capital yeah. is put you know they're all going to fail if you I, get, I know i know 20 people at that style of level whether it's london or nationwide where their buying power is just so immense and and, and because they're dealing with um volume same way the auction deals with volume um you know you can you can not hide a mistake you can you can, you can cover it no, so the profit you make on the 10 will cover the losses you made on the 4. Yeah. Whatever, you know, you, and you'll play that. And sometimes you'll just portfolio those until the pro, until the market turns and you sell them at, at uh, washing its face or a couple of grand more. No, so it just depends on how you're structured. Okay. And then quickly going back to what you said about positioning. So do you move between every bid or on different lots? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll move between bids. Yeah. See you creeping through the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? like, <laughs> are highly skilled individuals, but I think some of them can be a little bit lazy. Like some of them just talk like this, and it's really so boring. And I'm like, oh, I don't need this in my life. So I'm, like, <laughs> I, I'm trying to inject a little bit of energy in it. Sometimes that disrupts it. You want to be a disruptor in whatever market you're in, and mm-hmm. the auction is is a cattle market basically <laughs> for property. So you want to disrupt that marketplace. So yeah, walk around, do a little bit of a shout, do an eyebrow raise, or wave the catalog. Or, change it every single time so it keeps that auctioneer focusing on you first yeah the last thing you really want is them noticing other bidders i had one auctioneer who got my book before the auction (laughs) and then like during the bidding he started having a full-blown conversation with me like about the book yeah like like pure what does the book say about what should i do (laughs) 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 and then he sold it like and it was like yeah so you just need to like be a little bit think out of the box. Yeah. There's no one answer. Like, yeah. uh, you just uh, just need to. It's it's a moment. Like, yeah. Thirty seconds. Just need to be inventive, and you might save yourself five, ten, fifteen. Yeah. Hundred k. And also, I guess you can take you know, somewhat take the power off the auctioneer, right? In terms yeah. of your techniques. But it's hard, you know, as a, as a beginner anyway. For you guys, you walk in there, you know, you're bossing it. But if I walk in. I'm naturally thinking, 
he's in charge. Yeah, I'm thinking how to get around it, but naturally... Do you think he's in charge? No. Since no, I'm, like, beginner doesn't think that. A beginner will walk in the room going, okay, if I put my hand in the air, it has to take my bid. I'm, I'm the one who's giving them... Okay, I see what you're saying. You know, okay. Yeah, a lot of buyers, a lot of people don't understand that the power that the auctioneer has, which is fine. And even the pros that understand the power that the auctioneer has doesn't actually affect them that much. What, mm. what people make the mistake of on a fairly or semi-regular basis is that they they just they believe things. Yeah, they believe, yeah, what's, yeah. They believe what's written in the legal pack. They believe what's written in the catalogue. They believe the price that's there. It's all illusion. Oh, okay. We're going, yeah, the catalogue, the legal pack, it means absolutely nothing. The price, you may think it's a good price, you may think it's not a good price. It's imaginary. It's something someone has put there as an inducement, right? the same thing why Tesco's and Sainsbury's got massive storefronts. Yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a big turkey there. I'm, I'm feeling hungry for turkey. I'm going to walk in. It's all imaginary. You have to use your own eyes, your own ears, and your own senses. Because as much as you can go, okay, yeah, the property is in, in Leytonstone, and, and there is a park a quarter of a mile away. It is near the station. You, know, you, can, you can see all that on Google Maps, right? But everything else, you, you disregard until, it, until you prove it's right. Okay. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're becoming influenced rather than being an influencer. And that's oh what you goodness. want to be doing. You want to be influencing the transaction rather than being influenced by it. I like that. So I, I say this a lot to people and people like think I'm getting all kind of like surreal, like there's no such thing as time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, time is a construct of man and all this stuff. Like, but I'm not. What I'm telling you is actually correct. It's, it's marketing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. is there to tell you X. Yeah. And when you see it with your eyes, you're going to believe that X is a real thing and the castle provides that tangibility. But when you strip it away and go, actually, okay, it doesn't matter what that says, it doesn't matter what that says, it doesn't matter what that says, let me do my own due diligence. I come up in and around that level, perfect. But if I don't, I move on to the next thing. But the, the moment you do that, you create a real power shift. And that again, that's all mindset. It creates that power shift within yourself. Okay, and so, right, Ted is going to the room, handsome twin Ted. Ted two, yeah. Ted two, and... One, woo! Yeah. You know, at, at kind of the level we wanted. Yeah. So after that, you go to the ante room, I guess they call it. You pay ten percent on a card. Yeah. Which is kind of strange that you're buying a house with a card. I always thought it's kind of like strange. So I think you, it's strange that people still have a checkbook. Like, yeah. it's, I, yeah. I was like, like what is a checkbook? Like, it's kind of like you know, it's, it's one of those things that if I need to call you, do I do it by more code? Or <laughs> I send a pigeon <laughs> with a message. Like, it makes what? no sense to me because here's the thing: you pay by check. You have to wait for that money to clear, right? No seller, no auction house is going to let you into that property until you're in clear funds. So why are you slowing down the process? Pay by card, then two days later you go, okay, that money's in your account, perfect. Can I can I get a surveyor in there? Can I get the keys or get get um, an assisted you know, an accompanied viewing? I want to get a surveyor in there. I want to get this in there. I want to start the ball rolling before I complete. You delay yourself by five to seven days having a check. Mm. Why would you do it? I know there are some people like, okay, well, you know, cancel the check. It's fraud. <laughs> you, do, you, you do what you like, but you, you, it's, you're committing fraud. So, it, but just not to mention, especially if you want to become a professional, especially if you want to become a regular investor at auctions, what you want is you want to build a reputation. That's yes. what Piot's done. That's not just an auction house London. He's known by a lot of auctioneers. He's got a good reputation. I better get a selfie with you then. Every time I go to the auction, yeah, yeah. I know this guy. I know this my mentor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, but it's true. And once you set yourself apart, 
there, and, and you are a performer, you act in accordance with how things are best practice. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, these are the auctioneers that will come to you going, you know what, there's something coming into auction, you may want to have an early look at it. And that or, is or, people. Yeah, or this is, or this, is, this may be available to underwrite if you have the right kind of price, come back and talk to me. And that is power that you can't, you can't buy that. You have to action it, and the action enables you to, to get into that position. And it's building those relationships. And that goes back to what we said right at the beginning, which right, is beginning. get your people right. Yeah. Have the people in your network. And like, yeah. I guess it's like maybe in an ideal world, you would just be judged by performance. But in the world we live in, it's not. It's like how much people like you, they get along with you, how you, you know, like crack jokes and the stuff you wear. Like I've had auctioneers, I've bid, one of many, wearing this, obviously obscenely yellow. And then I go on a view and they're like, Tej, I remember you. And I'm like, how the hell do you remember me out of hundreds of people in this room? And I was like, okay, this is good. I'm going to, you know, keep kind of going with this. I mean, the way most auction houses are set up in terms of their auction day rooms is you're going to have the auctioneer probably the front or centre or, or left of stage or right of stage at the front. You're going to have uh, the runners, so the people who then go for the bidder and then the underbidder. You're going to have probably some of the management team. or They're normally front and centre. So they're seeing every single person that bids. Now, if you've got good staff there, when you then go to a viewing, they're like, oh, you've been on lot 56. Oh, but you missed out. There's another one coming up in the next auction that looks really similar. I'll show you it. Before you know it, just by taking that approach, that bidding, and being a part of the process, they can see that you are you're out there and you're in a, you want to buy. That that escalates you on the list, like in the order crescendo of people they want to be spending their time with, not wasting their time, but spending their time with to make sure they can get them across the line on a deal. You go right up in the rankings. I like that. So so if there's a pro I mean this might be risky, but if there's a property that you know shit hot, it's gonna go. You could just do the first bid, right? Because yeah, if you get it for that bid, then your quid's in. Yeah. If you don't, which is 99% likely, you've shown a bit of, yeah. I'm about, I'm here, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so that's an interesting strategy. So another question, which is sort of different to this, is homes under the hammer. How realistic is that for people who have never gone to an auction, maybe never invested in property, is your world as, you know, working... Same auctions. as low violence in the relationship. <laughs> so exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. The exposure that, that Homes Under the Hammer has given property, and more specifically auctions in general, is actually good because it's created that exposure. Where I think they fall short is when they're talking about how much profit someone makes on a deal. Mm -hmm. Okay. For me, I think it's like, do they talk about after-tax profits? Do they talk about after-costs of all... all they've changed that now, though. They say, kind of, pre-tax profits. So they, they, but if you go back three or four years, it was like, oh, he, you know... Um, Dave has made 60 grand on this purchase at 120. Oh, wow, Dave, Dave's just killing it. Go on, Dave, go on, Dave. Oh, Dave, get in there, son. They're doing all these things. And, it's, it's, and you think, wow, okay, but no, uh, does that, you know, is that after stamp? Is it after legals? Is it after the, no, you know, it costs them 30 or 40 to do the, the you know, the fit out or whatever it is. I think, would never say it was, it was irresponsible because, again, 90% of the people watching it were, just watching it because it's it's daytime TV and it's it's a, it's an interest point, not because they were learning how to do auctions from it. Touch with yes. please, God, I hope <laughs> But like you say, they they they've started talking about pre-tax profits, and I'd actually like them in the future to actually like just put up like a um, like a fancy Excel kind of thing. Yes. Like purchase price, cost of this, cost of this. Um, you know, uh, finance. You know, rolled up or whatever, and then they come out. Okay, so afterwards, you know, Dave bought it for one twenty, sold it for one eighty, he's made. 
16 grand or whatever or 20 grand that's that's you know that's yeah. you know it's a good return and if yeah. they were to do that I, I again maybe it's too much maybe it's overkill maybe that's not their market it's their market easy. isn't property professionals it's people who want to see what it's like when someone buys a three-bedroom mid terrace in bradford what they can do with it and there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. but it's it's like with all tv you know I think so. I want to start Ted Talks TV. Hello. And, and I, hello. And I just thought, because I, I was going to do it with normal properties, but then I'm like, hold on, we've got six months of conveyancing, this, this, and this. But with auctions, it's a month. And then think, so potentially, it'd be some Ted Talks TV, which has the spreadsheet on it. Hello. And then I'll say, you're both my mentors. Oh, and get all, <laughs> I get all the kippers. Yeah. <laughs> all the just keep with his name. I don't yeah. want to take my name and do it for you. <laughs> So we've reached nearly the end of the podcast, okay. but auctions, like some crazy shit must happen. People must buy, I don't know, some crazy stuff, right? Or am I just thinking it's more exciting than... Oh, there are horror stories. Tell, tell me some. You want, um, okay, so here's, here's, one that I, here's one that I wasn't actually anything to, it wasn't our auction. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't disclose which auction it was because generally I don't know, but I was... This is a story that was told, a horror story. I was on a on a panel, and one of the guys was a finance guy from um, Together Finance. Lovely guy, Scott. Yeah. Lovely guy, um, and he was like, "Woman bid for this property. It was um, it was a block of flats in central London. Bought it for one hundred forty six thousand pounds, and she she was over the moon. She thought she'd come back. She goes, I've just bought this. It's an unbelievable deal. Can you get me finance? Like, oh, let me have a look. Let me have a look. Reading through it, reads it, and says, yeah, that's a freehold ground room.'" You haven't bought a block of flats. You just bought the right to charge them £250 a year. Oh, it was on like 16 flats. But there, there was a value to it. But she bid like 80 grand above the, the guy. I mean, you tend not to see that on freehold ground. So that, that was a real shocker. The worst one I've wow. seen myself was we had a property in Camden. Okay. 11 Bonnie Street. Okay. Right, this was, I think it was like end of terrace. It must end of terrace. Like... Uh, Three-bedroom house being used as a five-bedroom HMO. But it was so strange. It was, you weren't buying a freehold, you weren't buying a leasehold. It had a 20-year commercial lease on it. So that property, as well as most of the rest of that um, parade of houses, that that terrace, was actually owned by the uh, railway, which was behind. And they didn't want anyone to have any proprietary rights over it. So if you want to... um, Exclude proprietary rights, you have to have a commercial tenancy because that excludes proprietary below rights. 20 below 20 years. Well, 12, 20 years and below. Yeah. 20, so it had to be below 20 years. And basically, it was producing about £56,000 per annum, but you were only getting about 22 of that because the rest of it was your, your rent as a commercial tenant to, the, to, the, to your landlord. And it looked like an unbelievable deal. And there was a woman that came in and she was bidding like, you know, she, the devil was behind her, just, just <sighs> hands thrown up in the air. She was getting it and it sold it. And it, she, she came to the back of the room and we did exchange contracts. She went out to get funding and she came in. I was with her for about five hours that auction, crying. She was there with her other half, crying, just didn't know how to do it. Fortunately, the seller, out of complete character, to, like most sellers you would deal with, took so much pity upon this woman so much pity let her off the contract but it was just it was absolute shock and horror that went through this woman's life but, but the auctioneer and you knew 
that it was not actually what she thought it was. Yeah, but, but, like, but literally the tagline, the, like in red, the thing that we put like, this is an XXX, producing XXX subject to, so net income of X, all there in the first three lines. Like you, here's the address, there's the, the price, and that is what it is. That's what it is. £250 spend on a solicitor to pay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't argue with those examples. Yeah, and that was, okay, yeah. the first one I wasn't really passed to, but it's one of those ones that you hear when you meet up with other auctioneers, but especially when you're meeting up with an auction or like a short-term finance provider, right? They're going to have horror stories like this, and that one sticks with me. The Bonnie Street one sticks with me every single time. And she couldn't get finance. Like some lenders, you may have mentioned, will lend on like anything, I mean, but not that. They could have provided lending on the property, but they couldn't have provided lending on her. Oh. So bear, bear in mind, I mean, everyone should know that. Lending is 50% the property, 50% you. Can you perform on this lending? You as a person, not just the property. And you, that takes that takes a bit of precedence as well. But that was that was a real shocker for me. You got anything that's... Um, someone buying an office block with a, an application submitted for 27 apartments. Oh, God, I remember this. And so... Um, Actually, there was never ever a chance of 27 apartments to be there, and uh, or maybe there was, but the planning was just submitted, it wasn't approved. And she thought she's buying it with those apartments and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, she uh, yeah, she didn't perform, she pulled out and lost about 50 odd grand, okay, yeah. Um, which and the legal part wasn't available. She exchanged it, she got it after the exchange. It was really like a. a Is that allowed? Well, there's. there's yeah. Like. Isn't it? A bit, a bit, yeah. But it, she did exchange, that was the whole point. Oh, so she should have said yeah, no. Said, I'm not going to bid until I see the full. That, you had that power before. Yeah, you need yeah. to say, like, I'm not bidding. I'm, I'm but why did the auction house let it even go in there without an auction pack, at least on the day? Uh, was it to trick people? No cut and dry to it. Sometimes it's outside of the auctioneer's control. So every single auction that we have, that wasn't an auction, that wasn't our auction. That yeah, no, I don't think it was. So no. every, every auction that we have, we are always fighting to get the legal packs in early. The earlier the legal pack comes in, the more confidence the bidder has, the yeah. more they're likely to pay for the property. Yeah. If it rolls in, and there are some vendors or some vendors that just go, we'll put it in two days before the auction, people have to rush it. It just doesn't work. I read that in the book, you know, yeah. because I just, it, it, yeah. does, it doesn't work. And it's it's the bane of, I, I would say, our existence at, at Auction House London to make sure that comes in. Because what we want is we want good, informed bidders making good, informed decision. Because a good, informed bidder making a good decision is someone who's going to be a good buyer, who's going to come back and buy again. The moment someone is burnt, it is so difficult to repair that. And the first thing everyone does is they want to blame the auction house. Yep. And the auction house is like, oh, hold on a second. Uh, <laughs> we don't do the legal packs. That's, that comes from the census <clears throat> list. They're on instructions from the vendor. You need to go talk to someone else entirely. But it always sits the auction first. And actually, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't. And, and it's one of those things that I think, it's like I said, someone's always looking for someone else to blame. And if, if you're looking at buying a property before the auction and you're buying it on a legal pack and think, oh, I would have liked to have seen that in there. If you as a human being, a responsible person, a functioning member of society, without any impairment mentally or socially at all, doesn't send an email first saying, 
can you ask the seller or the seller solicitor for X? Mm. Then you've mugged yourself off. Yeah. Even if that never comes in, find that never comes in, you know not to bid. Yeah. Yeah. But if you go in and then after the auction, after the exchange, when you, you have far less power as an authority in that in that process, then start kicking up fuss, too late. That's your problem. You made that mistake. But it, while it's still in your power, before the physical auction happens, before that gavel hits down, before the hammer falls, mm-hmm. you have an opportunity. Mm, and catchy, if, if you yeah. don't take, oh, I thought so. If you take, <laughs> if you don't take advantage of opportunity, then you, you're leaving yourself to ruin. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to like network with people who, who do stuff like this, uh, who get exposed to those kind of deals, um, and like for, like one of the place we can network is partners in property we mm-hmm. actually like what we do have this we have like round tables uh, at the end i'm doing one soon on branding oh, really? yeah, yeah. i'm speaking in birmingham i think they've got masterminders in there so some of the people that they have fronting these tables and i've been on the table and that's that's something that's different because you're you're not just talking to people in the room that you know shoot the breeze and say oh, i'm looking to do x y and z you have someone on that table that's like no, no, I've, I've got 15, 20 years of experience. Ask me anything. Yeah. That is power. That is, yeah. for, for the price you pay. There was actually one person that goes, she came to two of our London partners in property leads. She was on the auction table and then this mom, she ended up with property. And a good property, actually. Good property, yeah. yeah. Well, well that's, that's credit to the people who are on the table. Yeah, the auction table definitely rules. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, yeah. It's interesting though, going back to your point about um, letting the auctioneer know, I know Piotr, you and me spoke and I said, I saw Norwood at the property, it's not on the, um, I think it's both of you actually, it's not on the like uh, fitting or the, the kind of contents form, whatever it is. Yeah. I said, well, should I buy it, wait and then sue them for misrepresentation or should I, you know, and you were like, just let them know beforehand. Yeah. And so I emailed them both and like next day, legal packs updated, Norwood. Yeah. And I think... Something like that is is fortunate. I had you to be like go and do this because otherwise I would have probably been like, hmm, see what happens, like kind of thing. See yeah. that what you did there was he empowered the position. So by adding that onto the legal pack, that is now when people see that, that's now precluded half of your competition. Which is why they yeah. because they don't want that. But once you understand that you can get gain capital allowances for treating and clearing, you know. 100% rebate on your cost. Sometimes it goes higher than 100%. Sometimes it goes 150%. Yes. Yeah. So once you understand that, and that is part of your strategy or part of your approach. Which it is for me, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I actively look for contaminated land. I look for yeah. asbestos. I look all those things because you're, you're making something out of something where people don't want to be touching it. Fine, don't touch it. I'll <laughs> deal with this opportunity. <laughs> Uncontested. And why not? Yeah, why not? And that's why I love Notweed because I mean, in mm-hmm. Wales, people are more familiar and they know it. But people come to me and say, Dad, can I buy this with Notweed? I'm like, How far is it? Yeah, you can go for it. Like, yeah. you know, just make you know certain things. And I think like I've learned that. Like, okay, these are certain things I can fix. I mean, I viewed a bungalow the other day, and the subsidence was hilarious. Like, literally, imagine every single, I don't know if it's a certain it's joint. one of those crazy houses at the fun fair where you're literally walking inside. So, you know what? The floor, it was weird. The floor, maybe it wasn't, the floor hadn't moved. And I didn't, you know, in Wales, a lot of one foot higher than the other. It wasn't at all. But every single joint from the wall to the ceiling was cracked. And there were cracks from the top of the wall down to the floor. And these cracks were like, I'm sticking four, like sticking a finger in, in terms of the width. Um, and some were even bigger and it was past the, the plasterboard. So it was like the whole, it's like every wall had dropped 
ripped away from the roof and it was in every single room. Ah, oh, so that, that's, that's, um, that's like when it starts slipping from... You, was, it, was that property like on, on a hill or...? No, it's flat, but it's Welsh. Yeah. So all Welsh ground is just unstable, like, yeah. naturally. So, but it was a bungalow, so the, I don't know. Because you can get slippage that causes stuff like that and some mm-hmm. underpinning works. And sometimes actually all you need to do is excavate like a foot around the, the perimeter of the building and then just put... Like Geo Bear, they've got yeah. this thing where they put some resin underneath it, that's like a day stuff. or something, yeah. yeah. So I looked at that and that's the kind of thing where I'm like, hmm. and it didn't stack because it was overpriced anyway, but I was like, I like this, like, this is funny, man. How cool to, to fix this and then add value. Mm. And I think that is something the listeners should like focus on as well. What can you do, like you said before, identify the problem. It's not a problem if you know how to fix it. It's just something to fix. And actually, when you fix a problem, that's instant added value. If you can do that just by filling out a form or or adding, doing doing something, it's just sheer paperwork. You don't even have to paint and roof. You've got to do nothing. Just do that, and all of a sudden, it's mortgageable. All of a sudden, it's marketable to a wider audience. If you then want to take the extra steps and then add the value by the refurb or then do a split or whatever it is you're going to do, then actually, based on how you're going to run your exit, it enables you to act in a certain way, pay a little bit more because you know actually your margin is far higher at whichever point you exit mm. in your transaction, right? Um, I do a really good talk on that. <laughs> yeah. So everyone catch Jay talking at an event soon. Yeah. yeah. And then lastly, to end this, for example, it's like we're, let's take Notweed for example, it can knock, I don't know, 10% off the house price, but let's say the house is for 100, it might, it's probably going to do more, but let's say it brings it down to 90. To fix this, it's between five hundred to two grand. Again, this is very general, and I've then added potentially ten grand back to it, and I'm net eight grand up. And those costs you're recovering the cost of it for. Exactly. So it's cost you nothing. You've you've made it mortgageable for the wider audience. Yeah. And you've solved it. I mean, there is no there is no way to go wrong in that once you have it structured, once you have that. In place, once you understand, have the confidence to understand it. it, right? So we've reached the end of the podcast. Yeah. If people want to get a hold of you, how should they do it? Uh, they should come to Parkinson Property London meeting. And use my code TEDGE748. You get the first month for one pound. He's got a code. I haven't got a code. Of course I've got a code, oh, mate. Well, you can use PR748. <laughs> <laughs> That's really no, different. TEDGE is good. TEDGE748 is great. And uh, I'm very happy to be here. That second Friday of the month uh, in Country's Docks. Um, that's a whole day event, like you get as much of us as... as and you get lunch, like forget all this stuff that people are saying, but you oh, get no, the, fed. Oh, that, good, I'm about that. It's a good like, lunch. Like, salad and sandwiches and there's a little dessert as well. I, yeah. I, I went through a ton of that. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> it's, it's the best networking meeting in town. Um, you can see us at Proportion I'm always there. Jay yeah. is always there for... For known reason, yeah, uh, 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 he, he basically runs this place, and um, so that's what every six weeks. Next one is thirty first of July. Yeah, seventeenth of September, and then thirty first of October, and I think the twelfth of December. So we're we're now doing we we've got eight auctions a year. So we're pretty much in every auction, every every part of the year, apart from uh, January and August, where most auction houses don't carry an auction. But I mean, I'm active on on Facebook. Probably a little too active. Uh, I like to talk on the groups. I like to, again, add value to people and answer questions. Um, so I'm very easy to find on Facebook. Um, yeah. I've got to try and do a little bit more work with my Instagram and my LinkedIn. Well, hit me up. I'll help yeah. you out. Yeah, there we go. See, tapes yeah. on the rock. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're very easy to contact. Yeah. Uh, 
if you get our book on Amazon, uh, all our contact, uh, social yeah. media profiles all are the there on the links, yeah. page five. So, <laughs> before the hammer falls, <laughs> Insider's Guide to Auction Property Success, released uh, April 2019, just under a thousand copies sold. And wow. We, and we're what, the 22nd of July? July, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that, that, that's impressive. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. This is the longest podcast ever. Yes. So hopefully it gets the most listens and we break some records. So thank you very much. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.